Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Josh and Kaylee. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, Josh and Kaylee take a flavorful detour to the heart of Spain, diving deep into the Lagrano's unparalleled culinary scene and captivating cultural allure. Join them as they explore the vibrant tapas culture, sip on the finest wines of La Rioja, and uncover the many treasures the Spanish gem has to offer. Hey, expats and travelers alike. We are on the road again. We have just finished our stop in Logroño, the capital of La Rioja. Now, in this series, each time we jump back in the car, we're going to chat with you about what we thought about the city that we visited and try to make some comparisons for you on how it is to Portugal. Because we know as travelers, we're going to have the opportunity to travel to Spain with it being a next door neighbor. Maybe even one day you would consider moving to Spain. So we want to be able to equip you with some ideas on what that place will be, if it's a place that you should travel or maybe consider living. Kaylee, what did you think of Logroño? I was pleasantly surprised. I guess I didn't know much about it. Um, for, you, for you listeners, Josh is the one who chose the route. So I'm driving, he chose the route, and we're literally driving right now on to the next place. And I didn't know much about it, but I did know she is awake as well, so you might hear her <laughs> in the back with that little laugh. Um, I didn't know much about it, except for it being in La Rioja, I of course knew about the wine. So I guess in my mind, I thought we'll just be drinking a lot of wine. But I was pleasantly which surprised, did. which we did, which we did, <laughs> and which was really nice. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. It wasn't big, but it wasn't small either. I guess I thought that it would be a bit smaller. But the architecture, it had some high buildings, which I was surprised about. What did you think? Yeah, I thought that um, it was definitely bigger than I expected. 
um, seeing the word or phrase La Rioja everywhere, I just kept thinking wine, wine, wine. But I had to get in my head like, no, they're just talking about the province or they're talking about the community. Um, and so that was kind of funny. I don't know. That was like a bit of a quirk of, of being here. The river was a little underwhelming. I mean, I know that the river serves as an important thing uh, in the region for sure, but it was brown. And it wasn't really developed around it, I guess you could say. There were bridges that you could cross it, but yeah. if you wanted to go in, I think people maybe kayak and such, but there didn't seem to be much going on around there. They were really playing up the river. Right. Like, it, it's not like the Douro River in Porto where you have the, the bank on both sides, you know, filled with shops and right. um, views from hotel rooms or uh, Airbnbs. You didn't really have that. Right. It was just the river. There was nothing to, like that to do around there. Okay. So, as a whole, the city was pretty sleepy, but it was big. Like... There, there was a lot of economic development, but it felt quite sleepy, except in the old town. Did you, did you catch that? I did, like, yeah. Maybe it was the summer. But also, what's the population of Lagronio? Like, how big is it? Well, it's over 100,000. Um, it's like 110,000 in Lagronio uh, city proper, from what I saw. Okay. So, I mean, there's not enough people to fill all the spaces, you think? As far as that goes, or... 151,000, according to uh, Google slash Wikipedia. I assume it's Wikipedia. Um, well, okay, so one thing I noticed about Logroño compared to other uh, Portuguese towns and cities that we've been in is the buildings were higher. Yes. Like, the buildings were higher by several floors, so it did make it seem big. Like, it, it made it seem like it was a big city, and I don't know if you consider 150,000 people big. Right. Uh, it's not small. I mean, it's definitely bigger than where I grew up. Yeah. But I think that's actually what the biggest difference is between some of these Portuguese cities that might be around the same population or just a little less. This felt bigger because you've got, like that's what I was saying earlier, like the architecture, like the, the stories are really high uh, as far as the floors and the buildings as opposed to in Portugal. Stuff for the most part is kept pretty low. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know if there's any sort of government regulation on that, but it seems like it's popular to have five over one type of construction where you have five floors uh, above the street level floor, which has shops, right? Yeah. Has now, some sort of like commercial space. Now, population wise, you said it's around 150,000. What does that compare to? Like what city is that compared to in Portugal? Okay, so the closest size, like, approximate size would be Guimarães. Okay. What's that population? 156,000. Almost 157,000. Wow, that's surprising. Okay. So, yeah. I... But but Guimarães and Lagronio, I don't know if I would draw a comparison between the two in terms of look, feel, you know what I mean? Like aesthetic. I, I don't think that there's a comparison to be made there. I think the comparison could be size because... Guimarães has that old town as well. It's different, but they've got their old town. And then when you get outside the old town, you've got uh, similar sizing, it seems like, walking around the old town. Housing is very different, though. Yes, housing is different. But size-wise, that makes sense. When you say the population, That I, I kind of get that feel as far as population-wise. 
But other than that, yeah, there's not much to compare besides the fact that they have the old city and then the outer part of the old city, which is a lot of European towns anyway, right? European cities. Well, yeah. I mean, if if you want to say like it has an old city, yes. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think all of the all of the the major cities in Europe have an old city for sure. Uh, so just trying to draw a comparison between this place has an old city and that place has <laughs> yeah. an old city, you'll literally be able to do that everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't I don't think that would be a maybe a fair comparison. Lagroño is super flat. So for those people that want to um, that want to travel and not have to worry about hiking up hills or you know they want they have mobility issues whatever uh it's pretty easy the biggest thing i think to do there maybe something that is off the radar not off the radar if you're googling it but just off the radar in terms of people chatting about it is logroño has two different spots down in the old city where you can do tapas pincho bar crawls oh the best and that i think in and of itself is a reason to visit there yes two reasons <laughs> one is if you're a foodie it's absolutely fantastic to check it out but even for people that are just into experiencing different cultures kaylee and i basically spent 48 hours talking about the difference in spanish and portuguese food because of of this kind of tapas culture there's a slight tapas culture in Portugal and I think it gets played up more than it deserves mm. and I know that would upset some Portuguese people but I think the reality is we're we're kind of looking at this from an outsider's perspective and we used to live in Spain um, we now live in Portugal and I think really the the patisco culture which is essentially like the tapas culture equivalent in Portugal isn't as like cool. I don't know. What would you call it? Yeah, it's not as, uh, it's hard to describe, yeah, right? I don't know. It is hard to describe. It's, it's not as popular. It's not as much of a thing. I think it's a bit more of a side thing in Portugal compared to in a lot of places in Spain. It is the thing, right? Yeah. Uh, it's what you do. So like in these places that we were, these special streets, you could tell there were lots of locals there. There were also tourists, um, mainly Spanish tourists. It seemed like it was a lot of Spanish tourists that were there. For sure. But it's a thing that you do. And another thing that I really liked about it is it was so family friendly. All the kids were out eating as well, uh, eating, playing, running around, uh, even later at night. So it was just, yeah, it's just part of their culture and more so than in the Portuguese culture, I think. Yeah, and talking about kids being out late, that was something that you highlighted last night and something that we observed over the last two days and something that we observed when we lived in Madrid, that families stay out later. The whole family goes out later than in Portugal, which is later than in the U.S. for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I mean, like we've talked about, Portugal is very family friendly as well, and it's not odd to see a kid out in no. something like it's this. it's healthy. It's, it's great. It's normal. But... Um, there it seemed like it was the thing to do like everyone did it so it wasn't so much like in Portugal where it's like it's it's a normal thing to see it was like it's what everyone does does that make sense like the difference between the two yeah absolutely so it was nice it was nice to see all the kiddos out and families having a good time 
right, so jumping back to the food and how the food was incredible and it was an experience, a cultural experience. What you do is you go to the one, one of these two areas. Uh, one is called Calle San Juan and the other one is Calle Lorel. And basically you start at one end and you pop into a place, you find out what their specialty is. If they have one, most of the places do, and they'll, they'll be quick to tell you. You find out what their specialty is. You order a glass of wine or a caña beer, a draft beer, and then you sample that thing. You do not, you can, but you do not order six, seven, eight tapas and call it a day, call it a meal, no, no, and get out of there. No, no, you want to move on. Yes, you want to have one, maybe two, and then you slide out and go to the next place. The interesting thing I found, uh, just as a side note, is that most of the places you can wait to pay. Like, you don't have to pay immediately, even though it's really busy. Only one place did the guy ask me to, to pay um, right after ordering. Yeah. I found that to be cool, the honor system. Yeah, it definitely is, because it's so busy, and there's inside, outside, you could stand, so people could definitely just walk away, but that's not what you do, it's not a thing. So what I like about this is this little cultural thing here is a great chance for you to try some amazing unique foods, fill up on them as well for a reasonable price, but also get a taste for different wines. So the pours Josh and I were talking about, they yeah. weren't these massive pours. Yep. Um, they're small pours, but it makes sense because you're just eating a little bite and then you don't want a, like a half a glass of wine or a whole glass of wine because then you're you're kind of stuck there for a bit or you're chugging your wine. Well, it's a half a glass, I would think. I, I, yeah, I would think if... If I'm judging it just based on the eye test, I think it would be between two and a half and three and a half ounces, okay. where a standard pour of wine is usually five, five and a half ounces. Okay, so you get yeah. about a half a glass, but it's perfect yeah. for, for what you're eating. Oh, it's amazing. So it's a great way to try the amazing wine in this region and then also amazing food. And like you said, you get to, you go in and you ask a special of a place and everyone has their own special, their yeah. own thing. Yeah and you try some unique things because of that you want to well for those of you who want to actually see pictures of stuff we tried we've been posting it on instagram so you yes. can take a look at instagram worldpost.io is powered by anytime mailbox which means you can get your mail anytime anywhere even on your smartphone and they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at five dollars per month here's a cool feature they have worldpost can relay things from the u.s to europe so that includes documents, <laughs> Amazon purchases, Amazon the purchases, US. <laughs> and you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. <laughs> She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dreams since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right? 
Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location and a livable location until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. So price-wise, what you're looking at in terms of a caña or a a glass of beer is uh, between a euro and a euro 50 is what we were paying at each place. Uh, And then a glass of wine, you you kind of get questioned on what you want. So if you say that you want a red wine, a tinto, or if you want a white wine, a blanco, which is different than the word you would use in in Portuguese, which is... Branco, branco, which is, branco. oh, geez, it's been, that's been blanco a rough one. <laughs> branco uh, it's close enough to where you can get yourself in trouble. Fortunately, you have tinto and tinto. Uh, tinto, uh, just that, that O is a, like almost like a U sound in Portuguese. And in Spanish, it, it's very phonetic, tinto. Anyways, um, enough about language. Uh, let's get to the wine. So you say which color of wine you want you want red or white and then you get asked some questions do you want like white wine do you want it dry or do you want it sweet uh and you might be asked based on that would you like uh like the the age of the wine you definitely get the age of the wine question when you ask for a tinto because it could be del año del año which is like that year's uh the the current year's vintage or You'll be asked uh, crianza, which is has to be aged at least two years. There's uh, reserva, which is three years. And then gran reserva, which is, I think, five or more. It's something like that. Don't quote me on that. But obviously, like, the more aged it is, the price goes up. So if you're getting of the year, del año, and don't say del ano, because... <laughs> I yeah, know it's bad. Portuguese, but not so good in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, it does not have the same meaning in Spanish. So año with the, the Inye sound, um, you'll be paying around a euro 10 to a euro 50. And then for the crianzas in most places, I saw it was two to 250 for that, that pour of wine, you know, so that two and a half, three ounces. I think it's f- honestly phenomenal deals, like especially if you make comparisons between the price of that and what you would pay in the States. It's like it's like at least half, if not four times less, five times less what it might cost in the States. But I want to say this is definitely unique to Logroño where they ask these questions. Because generally in Spain, when you're around, you ask for just a glass of 
you know, white or red. Yeah. It's generally they just bring you the house unless you specify. Yeah, that's which is right. also like how it is in, in Portugal, right? Unless you want to change it up or, or ask for something different, you can. Yes. But this is the first place I think we've been where they've asked these types of questions, right? Yeah, in yeah. Spain. So I, this is new. Yeah, to I, us. I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we we have been to some other places where it might have happened. But it was basically every place we went to while we were in Logroño, that was the question. So, um, yeah, La Rioja takes their wine seriously. And, yeah, and yeah, that's that, that, for sure. That was felt, right? You want to explain uh, some, of the, some of the foods we had? Yeah, so the evening crawl that we did, we started out at, um, at a spot that an Instagram slash YouTube viewer reached out and said, hey, you have to check out this place. There are two spots at the beginning of, of Cai Lorel that focuses on mushrooms. The person was like, this is the best mushrooms I've ever had. Kaylee and I are not big fans of mushrooms, but we're not not fans of mushrooms. Yeah. So, so we were like, I okay, let's this. go. Sepas yeah. uh, is the, the type of mushroom in Portuguese. Um, not in Portuguese, in Spanish. <laughs> Although I think it might be Portuguese. Setas, sepas. Sepas in, in Spanish. So the mushrooms that we had were very simple, grilled with a little bit of salt, uh, put on um, bread. Right? Yep. It was like mm-hmm. almost like a sandwich. Yeah. A small little baguette. A little one. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one seventy uh, each. Tasty. They were tasty. Super tasty. That's where we started. Then we popped over to a place that did pork skewers. So you had a couple different types of pork. We went for the cheaper one, which is the serrano. Uh, instead of the Iberico. Iberico, both in Portugal and in Spain, is the more expensive of the the pork or hams. Um, After that, we had to do patatas bravas, and I felt like my my sodium take was just (laughs) skyrocketing at this point. Which is um, something that you did mention last night, is that they do more salt. Yeah, Spain is saltier. Yes, yes. saltier. Which some people, yeah. are, you the know, Spanish Portugal, people are saltier. <laughs> that's true. Although they are nicer, I think I found that they in are the, nicer in the north up here. here. Totally, in the north, yeah. Totally. Um, but that's a, I think, a funny one in Portugal is generally people need salt. Like the French fries aren't salty enough yeah. or something. Um, so they definitely do salt more here in in Spain compared yes. to Portugal. Yeah. So we we had the patatas bravas. At, at this one place. Um, one place that I found online that was supposed to be like the best one. It was good, the sauce was spicy. It's very good, yeah. yeah, and the sauce was spicier it's than- It's not always spicy, yeah. Most like that brava sauces yeah. that we had. Uh-huh. So then we went to a place that had a little more variety, and at this place, I saw in the menu, or actually I saw in the case, uh, there was Morthea. Not and my favorite. <laughs> Morthea is Spanish blood sausage. And before you get grossed out, um, it's actually quite nice. It has, it has a heavy taste of cumin, in in Spain at least. Um, it depends the texture on how is not seasoned. gummy. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's not it's, gummy. That's good. It's yeah. drier. It depends on how it's seasoned, though. Some places uh, don't season it well, and it's you know. Minerally irony. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then the other the other thing that we saw on the menu, or I saw on the menu, because Kaylee sent me in to order everywhere because she didn't want to speak in Spanish. Ah, it's too uh, confusing. It does my head in. Oreja, oreja is ears, pig's ears. Um, so wasn't a, a huge that was a new one. <laughs> wasn't a huge fan of that. I, I did like the fact that it was pierced with a um, 
It sounds funny, and the ear was pierced. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was pierced with a padron, uh-huh. pimento par- padron, which is uh, a type of pepper um, that you find both in Spain and Portugal. That's that's really nice uh, as a maybe like an appetizer. But I wasn't a huge fan of the texture of that one. Mm, it was weird. It was good to try because it was unique, but tried it, done. That's good. I won't get it again. Yeah. I mean, not for a while anyways. And then after that, we did something that was not very Spanish, uh, which was we went to a little place uh, for dessert, <laughs> like yeah. like brownie a la mode and uh, an ice cream sundae yeah. for, for Sia. And that, yeah. was just, that was just last night. So yeah. we also did this for lunch. Uh, there was a Michelin, not starred uh, tapas place, but it was on the Michelin, in the Michelin Guide. For several years, too, yes. right? Yes, oh, for several years. It was like decades. Yeah, it's pretty uh, crazy. They had all of their uh, awards up on the wall. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> but this is something that you do for lunch and dinner. And, you know, it fills you up, really. Like, you, you don't walk away thinking that you need to go find something else to eat. So, so it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, mainly one of the biggest things I wanted to do on this trip was to eat like that. So I, I was very happy. Yeah. That and the mission, wine. mission accomplished, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So let's get more into that. That's the travel side. Let's get more into maybe the, the living side. Uh, do you see any comparison between Logroño and a city that we visited in Portugal? Tricky, huh? That is a tricky one. It felt, uh, yeah, it felt kind of unique. I, I can't really think of a place in Portugal that you could really compare it to. What do you think? Do you have something in mind? I actually don't have anything in mind, and I've thought about it because I knew I was going to ask this question. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you know what I mean. Like yeah. I thought about it. Like the, maybe, maybe the the flatness-ish of Stubal. But okay. it's not Stubal. It's right, not no, Stubal. Stubal's a different, different feel, thing. Different, different feel. Um, no, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think we need to try to belabor that. So I don't think there's a, a really good direct comparison. I don't think there's really a good direct comparison that we can make. So. All right then. Yeah, let's move on from that. I gotta ask you the question. Yeah. Would you expat that? I don't know if there's enough going on for me to expat that. I think it's one of those where it's comfortable and I could live there. If like a job took me there, it would be very easy. Yeah. Um, I do like the food culture there and I like that that's not just a touristy thing. Like that's what locals do. It's clear that that's what people were doing, especially on the weekend. So family friendliness, it was lacking a bit in in playgrounds, I would say. Um, So that was a little difficult. So I would say, no, I would not expat that, but I could, and I will. I would definitely go back to visit. So if I lived nearby, I would go back for the food, <laughs> for the food culture. You? Yeah, would 100% go back to visit for the food. Uh, would not expat that. Like you said, I would, if I, if I had to, I could. Uh, but there are a ton of places if I had to, I could. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wasn't really, I wasn't really feeling it. I think that there are a lot more, mo better, places uh, in in Spain to be the prices as we walked around and we looked at real estate were in my opinion outrageous like the Mm -hmm. price per square meter from from what we just looked at in in real estate shops windows the price per square meter looked very similar to Porto and Lagroño is not Porto it's not it's not as developed as Porto it's not as uh 
nice as Porto in terms of amenities or as popular. So it doesn't make any sense that the prices were what they were. Um, I think that maybe economically, like economic power of or purchasing power of people that live there help with the, you know, how much it costs, help elevate it. But in terms of it being like worth it, no. So I'm, yeah, economically it doesn't make sense would not make sense to move there. We would not move there and save money, let's say, right. by being there. So I would not expat that. Yes, but definitely continue to drink their wine. <laughs> Go <laughs> yeah. back for the food and the wine. Yes. And yeah, it's an easy one. Yep. So we're on to the next one. The next one is? Pamplona. Pamplona. And we're about to pull in, so I'm going to have to jump off here to help Kaylee navigate as she's the driver. If you missed Bill Bao, go one episode back to check out what we said about Bill Bao. Spoiler alert, we loved it. So <laughs> check out that hear, episode hear and, uh, and get caught up on this series. Now, let's get moving. Bye. So listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts. 